everyone, welcome to the series called The Talk of the Table, where we're getting away from small talk and we're getting to the meat of the matter. Real, powerful conversations that can change your world. In this episode, we're gonna talk about how you can share your faith with other people or how you can understand faith in a deeper way. We hope that this talk will have an impact on you. I wanna invite you to stay to the end where I have some more information for you. And before you log off, don't forget to go to branchlife.church to fill out your connection card. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy this episode. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Branch Life. It's my privilege to continue our series, The Talk of the Table, today, the last Sunday in August. How did that happen? What is going on? Like, I, I know I had a, a tumultuous summer, but I just, it just doesn't feel like it should be even close to the first day of school on Monday. And all the school kids said, amen. All the parents said, Praise the Lord, right? Yeah, so we are there, right? We're there at this spot. We're there at this transition. So over the next week or so, right, we have Labor Day weekend coming up and then our fall kickoff. This is the time of year where uh, it is the time to think about your new rhythms and, and our encouragement to you as your pastors and as your church and as your group leaders is to intentionally design healthy rhythms in these new seasons. I was listening to a dad online talking about his school year rhythm, and they do something together with their family called morning prayer. Now, if you have school-age kids and you're trying to get them out to the bus on time in the morning, you know, right, like, morning prayer, I don't know if that's going to happen. You're just trying to get the food in them, the clothes on them, and them onto the bus before it drives away. And in that chaos of those morning rushing, uh, rushing moments, uh, they've decided that right before they open the door to go outside, they're all, all together, right? They're there. They pause, and they say a morning prayer. And they just, maybe it takes five seconds because that's all they have. Maybe they have five minutes, and they build that into their rhythm. What can you have in your rhythm over this next season that would encourage spiritual, physical, and emotional health? in your family, and in your kids. Obviously, one of those massively God-designed rhythms is regular worship together with the church. And we are excited on September 10th to be kicking off the opportunity to create new rhythms. And so our four services are designed to give you options. They're designed to give you the ability to uh, serve one, attend one. They are designed to make it so... Uh, it's not as chaotic, right, and that you don't have to overflow into the cafe when you do make it here. And we're excited to see what God is going to do with this new rhythm, and we don't know how long this rhythm, these services are going to last, if we're going to need all four, if we're going to have to transition to something else, but we know that this is our next season. And so in your chair, you have a, a new card, and this is a card that you can use to invite people to be a part of this rhythm. You can hang it on your your uh, refrigerator to remind yourself of the new times, to remind yourself to pray. Uh, but on the 10th, we're kicking off these new times, which are on the back of your card, and we're kicking off a new series uh, called Lead, eight, eight Qualities of Influential Leaders, all from our new book study in the book of Nehemiah. Everybody who comes on the 10th will receive a free gift. It is your new Nehemiah journal that you can use through this next year as we go through the entire book in a series of series. This leadership series is something that anybody and everyone could be interested in. So it's a great opportunity for you to say to your friends, your coworkers, your boss, your teachers, your coaches, hey, this great leaders do these things, and it comes from the book of Nehemiah. Come out and check it out. And we'd love for you to hand out at least five of these over the next two weeks 
to a family member, a friend, a stranger, a teammate, a coworker, whatever it might be. And will you be praying about that as a family, praying about that as a small group? My small group, we said, don't forget to invite your five. And they said, what do we win if we get the most people to come on Sunday? And I was like, I haven't thought about that. But yes, you should get a prize of some kind because that's what we all need is more prizes. So uh, let's, let's win by seeing people connect with Christ. And that's what we're looking to do. Um, I'm going to think of a prize that will motivate my small group, and maybe I'll share it with you guys. I just haven't thought of it yet. I didn't think shaving my head was appropriate, so I think I'm, I'm just past that stage. Maybe my beard. I don't know. So um, uh, this is your opportunity to do that. So what I want to do is, is pray over this in just a moment. As Chris mentioned, we are building up our teams because four services means a lot for our teams. We don't want to tax anyone, but there are plenty of people here who are ready to serve more than we need to get what we're, God is calling us to to get done. We just need to get you onboarded onto these teams. So last week we started uh, handing out these clipboards that have the different Sunday teams where you can serve. This week I have enough clipboards, one for each section, uh, so you don't have to jump the aisle with these. And then as, if you haven't yet signed up for a Sunday team, this is where you can do it. A sign-up is not a commitment. It's just the beginning of a conversation. Our group leaders will talk to you about the team you're interested in. And if you have not yet been a part of the prayer team at some point, that can be a once-a-year thing. That can be a once-a-month thing. Everyone should do the prayer team at least once. It happens during every service. There is a sign-up for that so the team leaders can get a hold of you there. Uh, we, are, we are excited about uh, not what you can do for us, but what being on a team does for you. And, and I would love for you to serve for you, because it's going to impact you and your family in some way. Serve together as husband and wife. Uh, technician, musicians do that quite a bit. Serve together as families on the greeting team or helping set up or, or tear down or doing the cafe or whatever it might be. Serve in the morning, come help with the kids in the evening. All of those things are options. Would you pray about what you can do? We're excited about this next season, and uh, we want to pray over it first. And so as, as we prayed a couple times, we're going to pray again at the end. I think it's important to lean heavy into prayer during these transition moments, so will you pray with me? God and Heavenly Father, we are praying today for your good and great power and mercy to be poured out on Branch Life Church. God, we are asking that you would use us in powerful ways as we use our gifts and talents to serve you here as we use our words and our lives to invite others, even with these cards that we hold in our hand, we pray, God, that you would empower us to be bold and to invite those uh, to come out and be a part of growing their connection with Christ. God, we pray that many, many people here at Branch and, and, and yet to be a part of Branch would come and take their next spiritual steps, whatever that may be. We pray over this next season. We pray over this new rhythm for our church, and we ask, God, that it would be a healthy one for us Lord, that you would empower, raise up, do what only you can do in our hearts and lives. And God, we're excited about this next chapter. We're excited that you're moving us and leading us here. And we offer ourselves a living sacrifice in this moment, which is just a reasonable act of worship. Thank you for everything you have done to save us, to change us, to sanctify us. God, to draw us into your family. And we ask, Lord, that you would use us to help, uh, help that be multiplied in our day, in our time, and in our age. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, summer is almost over, which does mean new series, means the old series is wrapping up. We have this last week together, we have a bonus week next week, and then we're jumping into week 10, and there is two more weeks left to get your table talks registered. And again, the stories are awesome, and we have been praying for 100 table talks through this summer, so you have till September 10th to get yours in, and we as officially, as of last Sunday, are at 65 table talks. It's ticking up really consistently. You guys are doing awesome. Super exciting. 65 people have just had a one-on-one -on -one conversation about faith that fills my heart to full and overflowing praying for you this week as you continue to have these conversations. Please, please, please let us know on the connection card if you have had one and you haven't told us yet. Our goal and our prayer goal, and I ask you to be praying over this, is 100 table talks this summer, two more weeks to go. We've been using the intentional hospitality metaphor to help us talk about how to talk about faith. And, and isn't it amazing to be able to open your home, to share of your life, to spend time with people, to pay for a meal or to host a meal, and just enjoy uh, that special moment? There's something about eating together that just breaks down barriers, breaks down boundaries, and allows you to connect in amazing ways. So today we are talking about the actual meal, 
metaphorically speaking. I don't know what the best meal you've ever had. I think we asked this question on social this week. What's the best meal you've ever had? What's the best meal you've ever been presented to? I was with a friend down in Florida. He said, hey, let's go out. Uh, we're going to take you guys out to a uh, 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 a restaurant. I never heard of the restaurant. It turned out to be one of these Brazilian steakhouses where they walk around the restaurant with slabs of meat on poles. They chop it off in front of your table. You have a little red light, green light that you flip over. If it's on green, they slap it down. They don't even ask, right? And then they just keep filling. That was an amazing night, right? That was an incredible night. You know, it was, and I'm thinking, wow, there's some steak, there's some pork, there's some chicken, there's some sausage. There was a buffet of like Jeez, oh, that was amazing, right? And we just, and I'm like, this is not going to be inexpensive. Like, it was one of those places that didn't have, like, prices on the menu. And, and we get to the end, and, and we're getting ready to leave, and we go to uh, square up our bill, and the, they said it's already been taken care of. The gentleman who had asked us to come out had prepaid for everybody that walked in the building, and it was, it was about 20 people. And he covered the, the cost for, for all of us that night. What? What generosity. And I think the, ste the steak just tasted a little bit better after, right? Like, that was a good steak. Now it's the best steak I've ever had. Like, if you want good steak, you go to Florida and you get steak. There's, some, there's something about being, uh, receiving generosity that, that just is heart-filling. Like, it, it takes things to a new level. When, when you have the opportunity to sit down and have a meal, when you open your home to somebody, when you present a meal to someone, when you, when you pay for that, that, uh, that bill and you take that time and you give of yourself and you have your family focus on someone else instead of screens for an evening, whatever it is, that's, that's an amazing act of generosity. And whenever you're serving a meal, whenever you're hosting a meal, whenever you're hosting a table talk, some great advice is to be your guest. And that's one of the things we actually think about here when we host worship services on Sunday. What does it feel like? What does it look like? How is it received by our guests? The people that are coming to our house for the first time. The people that are coming to worship for the first time. Are they nervous? Yes, they're nervous. Have some ever been to worship before? Maybe not. Have they been hurt in other situations? Yeah. Have they been over to homes where it's gotten terribly awkward and there's been a big fight? Yeah. And so every, every time your guest is coming, they're coming with guest eyes, with guest hearts, with guest thoughts. And when you are your guest, you say, how can we make our guests feel welcome? How can we make our guests feel loved? How can we take the pressure off and tear down boundaries and, and remove hurdles and be as engaging as, as we possibly can. For us here at Branch, we said things like they need signs so they know where they're going. They need to have people in the parking lot, and they have to be the best-looking people with the nicest smiles and, and the, the most magnetic personalities, right? And, and they have to be able to show them where to park and how to get in the building, and then friendly people letting them know that they're at the right place, and they're welcome here, and this is where you go, and how do you check in, and, and here's free coffee, and have it, and enjoy it, and please you know, on us, and, and we, I can't tell you how many times people have come in and they've said, is the golf, how much for the coffee? Well, I would have just assumed it's free, right? Because, well, I'm here every week, but for a guest, they don't know that. And so maybe we need to add a sign that says it's free, right? And so they're not thinking they have to pay for it. So when you're your guest, you think about it from that way. Same thing when someone comes to your house. How can I, how can I, be ready for them? How can they know they're in the right place? How can they be greeted when they walk in the door? How can we move through the evening? And, and that meal is your opportunity to welcome your guest. And let me just tell you, there's, there's a thousand different ways to host. You don't have to pretend like it's the Queen of England coming over and it's really formal unless you want to. It can be really informal and you can just, you know, be in Hawaiian shirts and throw sandwiches together. That works too. The meal itself almost is inconsequential as long as it's done with excellence and it's considering the heart and the eyes and the thoughts of your guest. So what's the key to a great meal? What's the key to hosting a great uh, conversation? The meal must include radical generosity. Your meal must include radical generosity. You want your guest, we want our guests to understand that 
they are loved and we are delighted to give to them, to help them have a great evening, to help them have a great experience, to help them have a great meal. And so I want to give of my time, my energy, my effort, my finances so that I can be radically generous to the person that I am hosting, to the family that we are connecting with. And radical generosity will never go get you into the wrong place. God has instructed us as believers to be marked by radical generosity. We mentioned it briefly last week, but if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) Luke chapter 10 is where we get the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the parable of the Good Samaritan is Jesus telling an earthly story to give us a heavenly meeting. And it's where the phrase today even comes from the Good Samaritan. I actually sat down with one of our branch family members this week. They were in uh, Myrtle Beach, and in Myrtle Beach, they were sitting there, and the flag with the banners that say, come to our restaurant, crashed right in front of them and the, on the beach, just 60 feet into the surf. And so he and his sons, his adult sons, actually ran in there and pulled the pilot out and pulled the plane out of the surf. Like, that was amazing. And they were all nervous, and they were saying, how far do the Good Samaritan laws go? How much are we protected, right? Good Samaritan, Good Samaritan laws, people doing good to strangers. That's where this comes from, is Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, it says, Behold, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26. He said to him, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? And then they answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We believe when God says this, he meant it. And Jesus said, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Right? This is is life. This is the life, the abundant life that God has promised. When you love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, calling us to radical, self-sacrificial, unconditional love and radical, self-sacrificial, unconditional generosity. When I love my neighbor as myself, then you're alive. Then you are truly living. And to give the example, he tells the story. Desiring to justify, justify himself or explain himself Jesus, uh, to Jesus, the, te- the lawyer said, then who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among the robbers who stripped him and beat him and then departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. So likewise, a Levite who came to this place, saw him and passed on the other side. But a Samaritan had, who had journeyed came to where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring oil, oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave him to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay. And when, when I come back, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. When God says to love your neighbor as yourself, what's he saying? He's saying to be like the good Samaritan. Our our service to others, our lifestyle, our words, our actions, our Our spirits, our days, our weeks, our years, our rhythms must be marked and include radical generosity. That's how we should be known, as someone who's willing to care for others. Now, whenever we talk about generosity, people start immediately assuming we're talking finances. And radical generosity, I, I, I don't want you to be limited in your focus to think that it's only finances. That's so, so not it. It's better than your finances. It's bigger than your finances. As a matter of fact, if you get radical generosity right in your spirit, in your rhythms, your finances will just kind of come along for the ride. 
Yes, we want to be radically sacrificial, radically generous with our finances, but we want to be radically generous with our time. We want to be radically generous with our grace. We want to be radically generous with our emotions. We want to be radically generous with our families, with our stuff, with our homes, with the food that we offer other people. Like, it should be something that marks everything that we are as churches, as families, and as Christians. So when you kind of dive into what did radical generosity mean in the parable of the Good Samaritan, there's kind of three marks of someone who's radically generous. Mark number one is they see a need and they meet a need. What did the priest and the Levite do? They, They saw it, right? They saw the guy that was beaten up, and they went on their way. They did their own thing. Did, they, did it even register to them that they could be used to save someone's life? Did it, did it cross their minds that it was within their power to be a part of radical life change with that person who was desperately in need? Or were they too busy focused on, I've, my GPS says I'm going to arrive at four, and if I stop for this man, I'm, I'm going to be late, and I can't be late. I've got an important meeting to go to. We've, we've got assignments we have to do. I don't have time to, to think about that person, right? But what does the Good Samaritan do? Drops everything, everything to meet the need of that person, the stranger, the enemy, the person from the other town who rooted for the other team and voted for the other president. That's who they stopped and helped. And one of the, one of the marks of our radical generosity should be to see and meet, and meet the need. Now, we're, we are not capable in the internet day and age to meet every need that we see. So I'm not saying that you now donate to every charity that gives an, an, an Instagram advertisement, that you volunteer to every place that you have. That's all part of establishing healthy rhythms. So again, I'm not, I'm not going crazy with this. That's prayer and peace and, and concern. But what you do and how you do it when you see needs that God is calling you to meet, you go all in to meet those needs. That's something that should mark us as believers. Our, our lives should be marked by seeing needs and meeting them. When we can. Here's, here's kind of a, a fascinating second truth that I see in this parable. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Sometimes, sometimes we feel overwhelmed because what can I do about homelessness, right? What can I do about hunger, insecurity? What, what can I do about poverty, right? What can I do about cancer, right? You can't do a lot as one person, but God's not asking us to do it alone. When he is asking us to see and meet and need and meet, I believe that there is the, a power in partnerships. Why do, why do we say we're better together here at Branch Life Church? We, because we believe in the power of partnerships. First of all, apart from God, you can do what? Nothing. All right, first partner, me and God. Me and Jesus, we're going to go all in. I'm going to deepen my connection to Christ. I'm going to get stronger with him. Life of the branch, connected to the vine. Let's go. Me and Jesus, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Best partner you could ever have. Now the sky's the limit. The stronger your connection with Christ, the farther your reach. And if you're wondering about how to have a table talk, if you're wondering about how to love your neighbor, dive in with your connection with Christ, and then let's roll. But there's also a power in partnerships with one another, with the church, with your small group, with community partners. And we love having community partners here at Branch. Why would we start a brand new Christmas party for underprivileged kids and a food program when we could just come alongside the Pottstown Area Children's Foundation and help them do their Christmas party for underprivileged kids and do a food program and help them do it better. And that's what, something we believe in strongly here at Branch is saying, hey, if there's somebody else out there who's doing good work, how can we come alongside of them? How can we help them? How can we assist them? How can we meet those needs that they are effectively meeting? Which also then means you don't have to do it yourself. And the Good Samaritan did get that guy up, got him to a safe place, but then he handed him off to the innkeeper. He let the innkeeper take him in and, and cover those costs and do the work of the doctor, right? And, and it, was, it was a partnership that came out. I'm going to come back in. I'm going to check later. But he went back to his life, and then he returned. And he did the third mark, which is he came back the next day. And here I think this is kind of the diff, this is what makes generosity radical. This is what sets us apart as believers and as people who are marked by unconditional love and radical generosity is we come back the next day. And in the work that we've been doing here at Branch, whether it's been connecting with families in crisis, whether it's helping meet community needs, if we get a call from 
from the, the town leadership or the county leadership, and they ask us to come and be a part of something, what has marked us and what has separated us from others is we have been able to intentionally not only meet the need in the moment, but come back the next day. Come back and check. It, it was done, but let's come back and make sure they're okay. Let's offer to follow up. Let's check on that family that we put in the hotel. Let's, let's come a month later and make sure that everything's going well with the home that they leased and they have food and they have furniture. Let's come and visit again and make sure, right? We did it once, but once is never radically generous. Twice gets radically generous. And then three times and then four. I think these these marks are, are tips, are pro tips in saying, if I want to be generous in my life, like the Good Samaritan, I'm going to see a need, meet a need, I'm going to partner with others who are doing good, and we're going to be better together, and then I'm going to come back the next day and follow up and be present in your life. And, and a lot of us are saying, all right, this is awesome, this is great, like I wish I was more generous, but I, I just can't seem to get myself there, right? And, and this is something we all face. We all tend towards selfishness, not selflessness. We all get inwardly focused. We all get overwhelmed with our own schedules, our own needs, our, our own tasks. And, and we carry that responsibility. So then generosity becomes a difficult thing to get to. It's not natural. And and if you're looking at a reason why we often aren't as generous as we would like to be, is it simply this truth. Greed destroys generosity. Greed destroys generosity. If the fire is going and someone wants to snuff it out, they just need to snuff out the oxygen, right? And it immediately puts out the fire. Greed is that for generosity. Greed sucks all the generosity out of the room, away from your family, and away from your time. Think about inviting someone over. All the stuff that you have to do to get your house ready. You got to get it vacuumed. You got to prep the meal. You got to shop for the food. You got to get the kids on board. They have to be on their best behavior. The dogs, the animals have to get taken care of, right? You have to then give up your, your time before they come to prep everything. You have then the evening that they're going to be there that you are giving up. You were had plans to watch the big game or, or to to get ahead on the, the, the project in the garage or to spend some quality time with the kids. Nope, all that got set aside so we can host somebody else. And now they're there and, and oh, I just don't, I just can't do it. And then they leave and we got to clean up and we got to follow and we got to schedule it and it's going to be a late night and I, I'm going to have to catch everything up and I, you know what, just forget it. Don't invite them over. It's too much. What just happened? Greed. Greed. I can't handle that. I, I, I don't want to do that. It's just easier just to do what I want to do and not include other people. In Genesis chapter 13, if you have your Bibles, let's run there. You get a story of greed versus generosity. And in the story of greed versus generosity, you're introduced to two characters. And these are two known characters in, in Bible stories. Abraham and Lot. Abraham and Lot as patriarchs of the faith, right? Abraham's one of the, one of the founding fathers of the faith. Abraham and Lot are, are each marked differently. One is marked by generosity and the other is marked by greed. I want, I want to point out some stuff just in the beginning of chapter 13. So Abram, another name for Abraham. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that they had, and Lot with him to Negeb. And Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. Isn't that a nice way to be described, right? Like, oh, must be nice to be Abram. Like, he was loaded. And he journeyed from Naab to Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning, and between Bethel and Ai, to, the place where had been, to a place where he had made an altar at the first. By the way, Abraham was in a habit of making altars to God and sacrificing to God. Uh... Verse 9, and Lot, who went with, with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, so the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. <laughs> what kind of problem is that, right? We got too much stuff. We can't fit in the same house anymore, right? We got too much money. The bank's not big enough to hold it all, right? That's, that's the problem they were dealing with. And, and so now, insert like two ridiculously rich people with all kinds of livestock and servants and stuff. They can't even fit in the same land. What, what are they going to do? 
right? How are they going to resolve this? Now, insert the battle between greed and generosity. Let me just point out, you don't have to be poor to be generous. You don't have to be rich to be generous. And if you're rich, it doesn't mean you have to give away all your stuff. That's not, that's not what generosity is. Here are two rich people, and one of them was marked by generosity. The other was marked by greed. They were both wit, rich. They were both wealthy. In verse uh, 9, well, let's read 8. And Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen, family. It is not the whole land before you. So separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, I will take the right. If you take the right hand, then I will go left. So Abraham presents to Lot the option of where to move. Imagine them standing on top of a mountain or a high place. They probably were. And, or they were looking at a map, and they said, listen, we got all this land, we're ridiculously rich, we can easily spread out, so let's spread out, and Abraham, the older, the patriarch, the elder, the one who was due respect, the one who needs to be deferred to, the one that is supposed to be honored, gives Lot the honor. He gives Lot the, 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 the choice, and he says to Lot, listen, whichever land you want, you get, I'll take the other." And so Lot now has the opportunity to choose. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw the Jordan Valley, and it was well watered, and everything, everything like the Garden of the Lord, the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east, and thus they separated from the land. So this is what happens to us. We don't have the problem where our houses are too full, Right? And so we now have to like split into different places. But there's only one piece of pie left. And there's two of you. Right? The kids. One piece of cake, two kids. What are we going to do? We're going to cut it in half. So we cut the pie in half. The two kids are looking. And what are they looking for? It's the same pie. Same ingredients, taste exactly the same. What are they looking for? I want the bigger one. I want the bigger piece of pie. And so the kids are going to argue on which, and they're going to measure it, and they're going to estimate it, and then they're going to say, I, I'm praying for the day that my kid goes, that's the bigger piece here. You have it, right? You have it. And so how many of us are willing to say to the person around us, here's two pieces, one is bigger than the other, you take whichever one you want, I'll take the other. That's what Lot is saying, but he's saying it with a multi-million dollar proposition. This is going to be a massive thing, and, and, and Abraham says it to Lot, and Lot chooses. You can't fault him for choosing a nice zone, a nice area, but he was considering what was best for him. What does radical generosity do? Radical generosity is be your guest. It considers what's best for them. And, and Abraham was trying to consider Lot, and Lot was doing a good job at considering himself. Now the stories go on, and without spending time and reading through the next five or six chapters, it can just sum it up this way. What Abraham and Lot's stories demonstrate to us is this powerful truth. The path of greed leads only to disappointment, while the path of generosity leads to abundance. The path of greed leads only to disappointment. When you are, are greed, fed by greed, when you want more money, the nicer house, the better position, more fame, when you finally get there, when you get to the end of the rainbow and you have the pot of gold and you finally achieved and you finally won the championship and you finally got it, is it enough? Never enough. Ne Michael Jordan didn't win one championship and then go, I'm good, right? What did he do? I got to work harder for the next one. Why? Because the first one didn't satisfy. There, it, wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it would be. I didn't find my fulfillment there, right? When the bank account is finally full and overflowing, you're not going to find your fulfillment there. It's always, 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 when you're following the path of greed, going to be disappointment. And we see testimony after testimony after testimony of person after person after person who finally got what they thought they wanted, what they spent their life for, only to be drastically disappointed to find it didn't offer the meaning that they had. 
Yet the path of generosity always leads to abundance. It always leads to abundance. The Lord offers blessing. He offers abundance to those who live generously. And again, it's so much more than finances. I think about Lot and Lot's story. In his path, he chose here now to live near Sodom and Gomorrah. And every time you visit Lot, he's going closer into the story with Sodom and Gomorrah. He's going further into wickedness and evil for self-profit. Ultimately, it leads to the destruction of his family and himself, and he's left with nothing. Abraham, on the other hand, is blessed by God. In, in, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 13, after he gave the gift back down in 14, it says, the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated himself, lift up your eyes, Abraham, and look to the place where you are. Look northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I, God, will give you to you and your offspring. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that the, so no one can count the dust of the earth. Your offspring will not also be counted. Arise and walk through the length and breadth and breadth of the land, for I will gift it to you. Was God pleased with Abraham? Yes, he was. And I want to always be in the center of God's pleasure and good grace. The path of generosity, though he gave the best away, led to abundance in his life. I worked uh, at, for many summers at camp, Christian camp. And the camp that we worked at, the summer camp that we worked at, would always hire 50 or 60 or so college students. And what I mean by hire is they would pay them under $100 a week for 24 hours of work a day, right? So that's kind of like the scale that breaks down to less than a nickel an hour, right, once, once everything's figured out. So nobody came to work at camp with us to make money for the next school year, yet everybody needed what? Money for the next school year. Story after story after story of how God provided for every single one of those counselors. Year after year, day after day, decade after decade, seeing how God has taken care of those who give generously to him. And maybe they don't have millions of dollars in the bank account, but yet they have life in abundance. You see, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And when you give generously, when you give sacrificially, when you give to meet the needs of those that are your guests, right? God says, I want to give you then abundant life. I think about this next rhythm that we're in, and if I'm trying to mark and think about examples of generous people, I can't get any more pointed than to say, thank you, thank you, thank you to every teacher in the room. Thank you. You guys give so much every day to serve these students. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for loving. Thank you for teaching. My kids are better because of great teachers. And we see that on a regular basis. And so I just want to, in this moment, pause and acknowledge the teachers that are here. I want to acknowledge the school administrators and the administrative staff and the support staff and the cafeteria staff and the counseling staffs that work at our schools. And all of that is gearing up, and you guys are stepping back into an intense time and an intense period. And sometimes the schools aren't a great place to live and have a career, but yet you guys do this day in and day out. Why? For other people's kids. I know it's not for the pay. So I want to just say thank you to the teachers. So if you're a teacher, if you're an administrative staff, if you're support staff, if you're a counselor at a school, would you please stand? Let's give him a hand. Stay standing, stay standing. Now, if you are a parent of a school-age kid, or if you are a school-age kid, would you stand? Thank you for your generosity as parents as you help these kids grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? And we're coming together. Let me pray over you as you're still standing. Lord, we ask for our teachers for our principals, our administrators, our support staff, our guidance counselors, and beyond. That you help them through this next year as they give a day in and day out to better the lives of the kids that they serve. We pray for the parents, Lord, that are, 
are, are continuing to do the hard work of parenting God as they love their kids, as they guide their kids, raise their kids. Lord, we pray that you bless them in their efforts. And we pray for our kids as they step into a new school year. Would you guide them through this year? Would you help them to see other kids in need and meet those needs? Would you help them to be the friend to those that have no friend? Lord, and would you help them to be able to, to learn well and to, to be a blessing to their teachers in each of their schools? God, would you help our kids and these staffs and these parents to be bright light and salt in the schools and the school districts that they're a part of? We pray a blessing over this year and a blessing over each of these. In your precious name we pray, amen. Now you may be seated. So as we think about Abraham and Lot, Abraham was marked with generosity. He was willing to give up his own son, Isaac. He gave Lot the first choice of land. He refused gifts from the king. He often set up altars of worship. Therefore, God blessed him over and over again. Lot followed the path of greed. He chose the best for himself. He aligned with wickedness for profit, and his family worshipped worldly pleasure. You know, Abraham and Lot are examples of greed versus generosity, but the ultimate example, as Alan said earlier, is Christ himself. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 5, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only on his own interest, but on the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was not in the form of God, Oh, he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, after this radical generosity, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him a name that is above every name. Do you know this Jesus? Have you walked with this Jesus? Do you talk with this Jesus? Do you, do you worship this Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? He radically gave of himself so that you could have life and life more abundant. And if you have not yet accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, his generous, generous offer stands. Accept the free gift of salvation and Jesus will adopt you into the family of God and make you a prince or a princess of the king. He will give you a home in eternity forever. And I'll invite you to be a part of his family. If you haven't yet put your faith in God, but you would like to, talk to us after the service. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer team will be available to you. And if you have questions about faith, don't wait. If greed destroys generosity, well, how can I stop being greedy? Well, it also works the other way around. Generosity destroys greed. And if you want to push greed out of your mindset, you need to lean in to generosity in significantly painful ways. Self-sacrifice does not come without sacrifice. And so when we are generous, right, we then destroy greed in our spirit. And so what are some things that I can think about right now that will help me be generous? Let's call these generosity hacks that you can put into place today. First, why don't you try to be the last in line instead of the first? That's great at a church potluck, right? Right, right, everyone wants to be, la every, all of, we all fight for the last in line at the church potluck. Doesn't go so good at Costco. Yeah, right? I got to get to the gas tank first. I got to get in line first. I got to get to the checkout person first. I want to be first in line. What, what if you actually let someone go in front of you? <gasps> what? In traffic, let someone else go. Be the last in line. No, you can't do it too much because the people behind you will get mad. But what if, you were, what if you were like intentionally not trying to be first all the time in line? What, that's radical generosity. <laughs> Nobody does that. Yeah, Christians do. What if, what if we parked furthest from the building so someone could park closer than you. What? There was a guy who told a story this week online where he was intentionally letting other people park closer to the building and, and while he was being kind, somebody got mad at him, pulled in the spot and gave him the finger, right? And then he got to, the, got to the whatever restaurant they were at. I'm sure it wasn't Chick-fil-A, but let's say it was Chick-fil-A because that's where people who do that go eat chicken. And they, they, he got up there, and he saw that the person who had, had basically cursed him out was in line behind him. And guess what he did? He turned around and paid for his bill. Paid for his bill. What if you paid for the family behind you? What if you held the door for a stranger? What if you were a big tipper at the restaurant, even if the service wasn't that great? And what if you 
complimented and thanked the everyday workers that you run into at the checkout along the side of the road. And you were just radically generous in your moments throughout the day, thinking about them, be your guest, and less about yourself. The Bible tells us over and over and over again how to be radically generous. In Hebrews, Hebrews 13 and Hebrews 12, it says we should show hospitality. We should be hospitable. We should open our homes, even to strangers. You might entertain angels unaware. In Luke chapter 10 and 16, right, we're supposed to comfort those who are hurting. We have a, uh, a family assistance fund that you guys give to regularly, and I want to thank you for doing that. We've used that over the course of the past couple of weeks. We've used it to help Jane, who had emergency brain surgery. We've, we're, it's available to others that are, that are dealing with different crises. And, and one of our marks is that we want to come along people who are hurting. We paid for a week of hoteling for a family that didn't have a place to live just this past week through that fund. And, and that's something we want to be marked by, helping those who are hurting. We, in Matthew chapter 5, it says, give above what's asked. If someone says, walk a mile, you go too. If someone says, can I have your coat, you give them your shirt too, right? So give more than is asked or required. Luke 14, here's a hard one. Forgive the debts that you are owed. Does someone owe you money? Write them a note and say it's forgiven. You don't owe me anything anymore. What if it's a lot of money? Well, then it's radical generosity. The Bible tells us over and over again that we have an opportunity to forgive because we have been forgiven. What if it's not a financial debt you're owed? What if you've been hurt? What if you've been scarred? What if you've been attacked? What if you're holding on to someone and they, they, they owe you? They owe you an apology. They owe you restoration. They owe, want you to make it right. What if, what if you forgave them that debt? What if you didn't hold that up against them? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, 4, maybe we should not require inheritance from our parents. Why? If I ask my parents to give it to me, then they can't give it to the kingdom. And where are treasures stored forever? They're in heaven. God, I'd, uh, Dad, I'd like you to give me your heavenly treasures now, and I want them for myself, right? Give me more in an inheritance. But people don't think this way. That's because it's radical generosity. In Luke chapter 19, it says, pay your debts and then some. When Zacchaeus found out that he had wronged people, he paid them back four times what he owed. That's radical generosity. In Mark 12, it says, give sacrificially to the Lord's work sacrificially to the Lord's work. What's that sacrifice mean for you? Pray it over. God loves a cheerful giver. And in, in, three, in third, John, third John 6 and 8, it says, send out your best workers. Send out your best workers. That's hard to do. At Branch Life Church, our mission is to see people raised up in the work of the Lord and to send them out. To have them go and to do what God is calling them to do. To multiply churches and leaders. And we, we want to see small groups grow and multiply. We want to see uh, worship teams grow and multiply. We want to see kids teams grow and multiply. We want to see pastoral residents come and be sent. We, we want to give it away. But that's hard. We love our small group. We love our team. We love our pastoral residents. We love when God is doing work. But yet, somehow... When we are radically generous, even with our own people, somehow when we let go and open our hands and we lose, in God's mind, that's gaining. And so to be radically generous simply means gaining by losing. Somehow, in God's math, it means we gain when we lose. We want to pray over Chris and Kaylin. Chris has been serving as our uh, missions resident, and about a, a year, almost two years ago now, Chris had come and said, hey, I'm, I'm being called to serve people, uh, to be in missions, and, and I just want to let you know that, and we as a church said, come be a part of our missions residency. We don't pay anything, but it's awesome, and you can serve here, and we can partner with you to see what God is going to do, and we don't know what that means. We don't know where it's going to go, but we're along for the ride. Well, what that means is that this Sunday is Chris and Kaylin's last Sunday here at Branch because they are being sent to North Carolina to partner with another church where Kaylin's going to be uh, on the team that's serving teenagers. It looks like Chris is going to be on their missions team down there, and that's their next step in heading towards the mission field. Hopefully in two or three years, they'll be serving full-time on the mission field. And so we are so excited. God is in this move to be a part of this story and to be sending them from here 
to this next chapter and then to be a part of wherever God sends them around the world. This isn't just a goodbye. This is ascending. We're going to continue to partner with Chris and Kaylin wherever God takes them. And so we want to pray over them in this moment. And I'm going to ask Chris and Kaylin to stand here in the front uh, down on the floor. And then I'm going to invite, if you are in Chris and Kaylin's small group, if you would come to the front and help us pray over them. If you're in church leadership here on ev- any level, directors, pastors, uh, deacons, and their wives, if you guys can come up. If you serve on a team with Chris and Kaylin, whether it's a cafe team or you're one of our hosts uh, or you're on a prayer team with Chris and Kaylin, would you come and help us pray in this moment? And I want some of you to come up here on the platform behind them. And uh, the Bible talks about laying hands, and that's just a physical demonstration of, of being one, partnering together, and supporting each other in these moments. And we represent the entire church body even now. So if you're seated, would you just raise your hand towards Chris and Kalen as we pray this prayer? Probably should have asked somebody else to pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Chris and we thank you for Kalen. Lord, we love them as our own. We're so excited to see the growth that they have, have had in, in their calling, in their spirits, in their ministry, in their leadership skills, even in these last two years. Lord, we're thankful for the way that they have impacted lives in their small group and in their communities and their workplaces, Lord, uh, and here at Branch each and every week. We thank you for the blessing that they have been. And God, we want to take these two gifted young people and offer them to you for you to use in the best way you can to build the kingdom of God around the world. Lord, we know that you're calling them to full-time missions, and we pray that this next step would be the healthy next step on that calling and in that journey. And Lord, we want to send them even to Covenant Church in North Carolina where they can continue to grow and continue to be a blessing with our love and with our support. And may the family here Uh, in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, be the wind in the sails of Chris and Kaylin's journey through this next chapter and this next season. We can't wait to see what you're going to do, and we can't wait to partner with that work in the days ahead. So God, we pray your blessing over Chris and Kaylin. We thank you for them. We thank you for their heart for you and for the lost. Use them in mighty and powerful ways. And all God's people said, amen. I'll take over uh, Chris's final moment here. Thank you guys for joining us today. We want to encourage you to be back next week. I know some of you will be a part of the Labor Day festivities, so if you're away from here, have a safe weekend. But if you are here, we'll be here in the morning at 9 and 10.30 and uh, no evening service next week. We're going to have a great service together as we, uh, as we work together to pray over and to to be a part of what God is doing next at Branch Life Church. So it'll be a special Sunday next week. We would invite you to be a part of it. Uh, We are going to be blessing Chris and Kaylin uh, with a gift, and if you want to be a part of that gift, just let any of the pastors know, and uh, we want to bless them as they leave. They're going to be leaving on Saturday is actually when they're moving out, and uh, so pray for safety for them. We'll keep you updated through the emails about what's what's going on with them. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this has helped you as you've deepened your connection with Christ so that you can go and reach our world. You're dismissed. Hey guys, thanks for listening through that conversation today. And my prayer is that you'll be able to have powerful conversations in the days and weeks ahead where you can share your faith and see others come to faith. If that happens and someone comes to Christ because of your table talk, would you let us know? The best way you can do that is filling out your connection card anytime online at branchlife.church. We're there 24 seven and we would love to hear how God is using this series in your life. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue to have more conversation around the talk of the table.